0: Welcome to Kai Alpha tonight, especially if this is your first time joining us. We thank you for for being here, for um, just worshiping with us tonight. That was so great having um, that time of worship. I just Love that we have such an anointed worship team here at Chi Alpha. I was in the back worshiping and listening to the songs and realizing they were singing everything that I'm going to preach tonight. So um, it was just perfect. Um, my friend Evan told me that I needed to make an announcement of what happens at, at Guy's small group. Because me and Evan, we got a little bit offended. We can, we can bake Evan, right? Yeah. But also, me and Evan are like bros, and so when flights go on sale, you just you use your miles and you buy them. And me and Evan are just taking a day trip up to Barrow, Alaska, um, just just for the heck of it. We need to go see it, so um, <laughs> tonight. Um, as we get into this, I just want to, to remind you guys, we're in the, the series on the Trinity. So Aaron spoke last week on God the Father, and tonight I'm going to preach on God the Son. And my slide's wrong. It should be week two. I'm going to fire my slides, guy. Ha ha it's me <laughs> um, but yeah tonight i got excited when i heard that i was going to be preaching about the sun in the trinity and what went through my head is oh jesus i, I like talking about jesus this is going to be great and easy but when i started to prepare the message i realized the difficulty of of just trying to to grasp everything about jesus and and like boil it down to to one sermon and so the truth is is that's impossible we can never even fully understand god because god is so big all of his ways are are unfathomable to the human brain we can't put god in in a box and um you know that's okay tonight i'm gonna talk about jesus and i'm planning on talking about jesus for the rest of my life so i can fill in the details some other time but um i really loved that last week as we opened up looking at god the father um aaron said something really great she said we hope at the end of this series that you don't just know more about god but you actually know him better and that's really our heart my goal tonight is that you would learn something new about jesus the son which would better help you love him so that's why tonight my my message is called behold the son behold the son and um the word behold is interesting because, you know, it's it's got a definition, but then it's got a connotation to it. If you just look up the word behold in the Webster Dictionary, it says uh, to behold is to perceive through sight. So right now you are all beholding my nice pin that I just got, a Blue Pilot G2. No, that's that's not beholding. You aren't beholding this Ben to, to behold something is to, to have like a, a love and affection for it. That's why the old phrase says like beauty is in the eye of of the beholder. To behold has some some love behind it too. And I think to really appreciate something, um, it's hard to, to do that and and behold something without understanding. All of the details behind it sometimes you need to know about something to be able to love something Um, and (laughs) just this past week you know I was reminded of that in the morning when I was making my cup of coffee my pot of coffee that I drink every morning and I was trying to share with my friend Andrew here and you know this is like a really nice coffee that I'm I'm brewing my my parents brought it back from Hawaii and it's like like a high class Kona coffee I'm not gonna tell you like like the value of it but I I know coffee I know like like the altitudes matter the soil matter the processing methods and so because I know all these details and facts about coffee like I have a greater appreciation of coffee and a greater ability to behold coffee than Andrew does and that there's nothing wrong with Andrew he just tried my coffee and said where's the cream (laughs) so I believe that sometimes the details matter in things and the details matter when we're talking about God and when we're talking about his son so we're gonna um read in, in scripture tonight, and we're going to read in John 1, if you want to start turning there, um, we're going to see what John says about Jesus, the Son of God, and I believe John shows us a few reasons as, as why we should behold Jesus, the Son of God, and so, yeah, you can turn to John 1, and I'm just going to pray for us before we read the word lord we just thank you so much that you gave us your word you gave us the bible that we can trust it that it is the infallible word of god and right now lord i just ask that you would speak to each and every heart in this room that you would show us how to better love you how to better behold you in jesus name amen so um yeah we're just gonna start here in john one. And there's a really nice parallel here because last week we started talking about God the Father and and we started in the beginning in Genesis talking about the creation story. And here again in the Bible, we have a, a second in the beginning. So John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I hope at this point you are realizing John is talking about Jesus, um, who were born not of blood, not of the will of flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. And this word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I say, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For, the, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And so here we're kind of like seeing John the Baptist and and what was happening with John the Baptist. And I just think John the Baptist would be a super interesting guy to meet. Um, John... Was the OG Jesus fan? So, so John the Baptist. <laughs> it says in in Luke that that when Mary came over to to John the Baptist's house, well, his mom's house, while John the Baptist was in the womb and Jesus was in the womb, John the Baptist recognized the deity of Jesus and leapt in the womb. Like, like John the Baptist knew who Jesus was before John the Baptist could breathe. So he's kind of the, the, the first fan of Jesus Christ on earth, probably maybe other than like Mary and Joseph. And I actually think like John the Baptist, if he were alive today, like he would be serving on the setup team because it's telling us John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus to come. So he was getting ready for the work that Jesus was going to do. And so John the Baptist kind of shares his testimony about Jesus there, what he's doing. He was questioned. We'll skip through some of that for just the sake of time. And then we'll pick back up in verse 29 here. It says, the next day he, being John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, to baptize with water, said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So in this short bit of this chapter, we see before us the the very most complete... Um, example of of Christology there is in scripture so Christology is just the study of Christ of the Messiah the anointed one the study of Jesus because the details matter because um, to behold him we need to know him and so I think the first thing that stands out to me in this passage is that the Son is worth beholding because he is eternal. The Son is worth beholding because he's eternal. Jesus was not created. Uh, Jesus didn't come into being the the second he entered uh, the womb of, of Mary, his mother. Jesus um, was a part of creation. In the beginning, Jesus was there. And you might be asking like um well this passage didn't like explicitly say Jesus it's talking about the word and so the word is is Greek um the Greek word there is logos and that refers to Jesus in this passage it's it's a symbolic meaning for for Jesus because Jesus is the word of God um, and so I think it's pretty amazing that, that Jesus wasn't created. He was there from the beginning, whatever the beginning means, because time in God's eyes is eternal, so we can't even begin to understand what that would look like. But um, I think that sometimes in my life, I've seen that I have like a lack of trust for new things, And so it's, like, such a a source of peace that Jesus was there from the beginning. Like, there's nothing else um, other than God the Father and God the Spirit that you can say that of. Um, Some of the, like, new things that that I would say I I have a, a hesitancy to trust is just, like, you know, those Roomba vacuums. I just think there is, like, like, something weird about them, and I cannot say anything, give you a reason as to why, but um, also, like, another thing that I've just been, like, hesitant to use is those ATMs that count your cash, like, for you into the machine. Like, it, it counts your money to spit it out, so, like, it, it's going to use the same mechanism to count it going in. And I don't know why I don't trust putting my money in there. But sometimes, I think as people, we just have a hesitancy to, to trust new things. And I'm just admitting that to you here today. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think so. the first reason here that, that we see that Jesus is worth beholding is because he's eternal. The second thing that we can pull out of this scripture is that the son is worth beholding because he is the one son and he is the perfect God man. So so Jesus is is God's only son. Um, We see that in verse 14 here. It says the only son from the father. Um, But verse 14 says the word became flesh And dwelt among us and so jesus even though he already existed he he came down left glory left heaven to come down and be a man um and so a a new term probably for you is the hypostatic union the hypostatic union Of Jesus. And so, this is what theologians use to refer to the fact that Jesus is both fully God and Jesus is fully man. Jesus isn't some centaur being where his top half is man and his bottom half is God. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And because of this, it allows Jesus to get us, to understand us. Jesus went through the human experience of of birth, of death, of temptation, and everything that comes in between. We read in Hebrews 4, verse 14, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And we're going to revisit that verse later on and we're going to talk about what it means to be a high priest but the gist of what this verse is telling us is that when Jesus took on flesh and became man, it allowed him to to be able to understand us in in a way. And the second term that I wanna cover um, regarding the son being the perfect God-man is the word incarnation. We use the word incarnation to, to refer to Jesus becoming flesh, becoming man. Um, and that happened when Jesus was born. He he became flesh. And I know like if if you're like me over Over the Christmas break, you were probably, hopefully, reading the Christmas story at some time. And um, the Christmas story of Jesus' birth is told in the Gospels. But I think there's a really beautiful detail about Jesus' birth that Galatians sheds. And so in Galatians 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so that just comforts me because I know that the incarnation wasn't just this willy-nilly, like, throw a dart at the calendar and Jesus is coming to earth no the father had intentionality and knew when he was bringing the son to earth and and it was when the fullness of time had come when the time on earth would be correct for for him to come and and accomplish everything he needed to accomplish so that we can still be talking about him today And another part of the incarnation that is just wild to me is, is the depth of humility that Jesus had to come, had to have to come to earth. And um, I'm sure everyone in this room has, has been humbled. You've been served a slice of, of humble pie at some time. Maybe that was like slipping on the ice in the parking lot. I don't know. But nothing compares to the humility of God in heaven, in glory, in perfection without any difficulties coming to be born. And not born into like a high-class, wealthy family where he's going to just have an easy life, but born into a family where they didn't even have a room to stay when he was born. They Jesus was was born in a manger, born around animals because there was no room for him. So Jesus is worth beholding because he is the the one and only son of God and he is the perfect god man. Jesus is is Fully God and fully man and in humility came down and through the incarnation took on flesh. And the third thing that we can pull out of John 1 for um, why Jesus is worth beholding is that Jesus is worth beholding because he is the light. Jesus is the light. And John the Baptist very clearly Realized that that Jesus is our only hope, our only hope. So so John realized that he lived in a dark world that that there was darkness all around him. There were things that um, only Jesus could fix. And uh, elsewhere in Scripture, it talks about John the Baptist, and he's like living in the wilderness and eating locusts which are bugs and wild honey. And um, I think he was like living out in the wilderness because he realized how dark of a world <laughs> he lived in. But um, if John the Baptist was, was able to realize the darkness of the world that he lives in, how much more can we say we live in, in a world that has too much darkness? And I don't know what darkness in your life is causing you stress or anxiety or bother today, but I know that inviting Jesus, the light, into your life will make that better. I don't know if it's a worry about sickness, if it's a worry about uh, just, just safety or, or finances or anything, but if we invite the light into the dark places of our life, it will change things. Um, so I ask you today, what if if your hope is not in Jesus, if it's not in the light that that John talks about, then what is it in? And I love the the psalm from David Um Psalm 62 5 and David is in the Old Testament so this is like like pre-Jesus but David still has his hope in God and it says in Psalm 62: 5For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. I think it's, it's just beautiful to see the, the people of God in the Old Testament who were able to, to place their hope in God before the sacrifice of Jesus. And Jesus, as the light, uh, in verse nine, the true light who gives light to everyone. Jesus came to Earth to do real work and ministry outside of like his saving work on the cross. His ministry didn't even start until he was thirty. Um, he worked as as a carpenter, and and Jesus came to to not just. Save the sin of the world, but also to influence the people that he loved around him. Um, I just love in Luke 4, Jesus goes to the synagogue. He's teaching um, and he is pulling up a prophecy and he is reading out a prophecy that is about himself And he declares that he is the fulfillment of this prophecy. Um, And I didn't write down the verse, but it's in Luke 4. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So there's a lot of of just amazing things that Jesus was doing and like I said we don't have time to cover the this all of the different stories of Jesus's life and his miracles and the teachings that he gave. But I think it's amazing that Jesus was able to to take time to to go and do the teachings and and do the healings and not just like ignore the people around him to to make his way to the cross. He he wasn't so focused on just one thing in his life. He was focused on doing the father's will. And Jesus says, "I only do what I see the Father doing." And Jesus brought light to the world, but he's still bringing light to the world today through, through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and through his working through us. Um, later on in John, in chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I think the truth is, is that um, even if we just look at our lives, if we look at coworkers or classmates or whoever we interact with, that there is always darkness in the world. And the only way to get rid of darkness is to bring it into the light. And and the Lord wants us to do that as we behold him and so the last thing that I want to talk about in in this passage is that the son is worth beholding because he is the lamb of God that was I think John was proclaiming this with excitement in verse 29 when he said the next day he saw Jesus and said behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that's something to be excited about and you might be like confused and and maybe you don't understand what the lamb of god means i thought jesus was was a man he took on flesh like like why are we calling him an animal now is it because he was born in the stable with the other sheep and goats and stuff we're calling jesus a lamb now i thought he was a man (laughs) well we're calling jesus the lamb of god because jesus took on the sacrifice that was required for our sin our sin put a separation between us and God and because God is holy we cannot be in the presence of God with our sin with the the wrong that we have done and so God himself the the only way he could God became a man and took on the sins of the world. And so I'm going to explain this lamb thing a little bit more. Um, there's always punishment for sin. There, you just cannot get around that fact. And God cannot be in the presence of sin. And so um, anytime we see sin in the Bible, for that sin to go away, There has to be a sacrifice. And we see this if we go all the way back to the fall of man in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. What happened? Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that they weren't supposed to, and they realized they were naked. And so the first animal sacrifice to cover up sin was God killing the animal to make them clothes, so that they wouldn't be naked anymore, and from then, from from there, in in the Old Testament, we see other sacrifices of of lamb. Uh, we see uh, the Passover, which happened in Exodus twelve. We don't have have time to like read into that, but but what the Passover was is that. Uh, God's people were enslaved in Egypt, and God put plagues on the land to to be able to change Pharaoh's heart, to change the mind of of the leaders who were in charge and keeping his people in slavery, and as a way to protect his people from the plague, God commanded them to to sacrifice an animal and put the blood over their um, door. And so that symbolically uh, covered over them so that when the plague of killing the firstborn took place, God's people were protected from that. And you might be asking, like, why the blood? Why is the blood going over the doorpost? Why all of the animal killing? Like, like, the animals did nothing wrong. And you're exactly correct. That's the whole point of it. The animals did nothing wrong. But there has to be a punishment for sin. And blood is just the universal symbol of, and Source of life in Leviticus the the book of law and the second book of the Bible third <laughs> um, So yes Leviticus says Leviticus 1714 for the life of every creature is its blood the blood is life um, And so after that Passover-type sacrifice, then what happened was there were sacrifices that were made regularly to just cover up your sin. And so you would have to take a spotless animal to the priest and make that sacrifice to cover over your sin. But then the the final type of, of sacrifice we're going to talk about tonight... Um, is the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement was a feast in the Old Testament. And so um, it was a feast that would happen once a year, and it would cover over the entire community. And I just want to start by defining what atonement is is what the word means we we sang a song that that included the word atone and um, the word atonement is a combination of atone and meant and meant is simply the suffix that's used to to refer to the result of something like amazement so amazement is the result of being amazed now what does atone mean Atone is the contraction of the phrase at one. So atone means at one. Atone meant is when uh, the sin is covered. So where there was a separation between God and men, men, between God and, and his people, the atonement brings them back together so they can be at one so that we can be in the presence of God again. To atone is to bring God and the people together, reconciled and no longer separated. And so in the Feast of Atonement, on the Day of Atonement, once a year, the high priest, so the the priest that was in charge did all of the, the sacrifices and such, would be able to enter the Holy of Holies. So the Holy of Holies is one of the spaces in the tabernacle. And I'd encourage you to study the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It's very interesting. It's designed so intricately, and there's different like layers of the tabernacle. There's the outer court, there's the holy place, there's the holy of holies. And if you went into the holy of holies, That is where the presence of God was. So you could not stand in there with your sin. You would instantly die. And so that's why the the high priest could only go in there on one day after all of the sacrifices were made. But the good news is that Jesus Christ made the final atonement. So Jesus was the final sacrifice, and, and just as the high priest would, would enter the Holy of Holies and, and enter into to the place where the presence of God was, Jesus, after his death, got to go and, and be with the Father. I'm so glad that we just don't have to go through the animal sacrifices anymore. And um, Good Friday is such a powerful day in the church. It's a day where uh, people all around the world gather to celebrate and, and just remember the death of, of Jesus, which is fulfilling the atonement completely. I'm just going to invite the worship team to, to come on back and uh, get us ready. Um, if you want to go to Matthew 27, uh, verse 50. So this is what happens when Jesus died. God put on on Jesus all of the sins of the world. And Jesus died uh a super suffering, painful, the worst death imaginable. Um, Jesus was praying in the garden uh, beforehand and and was asking the father, is there any other way for this to pass? But this was the only way for men to be, for, for mankind to be right with God again. And so Jesus, went through with it. He, he made the decision out of love to, to die for our sins. And Matthew 27, verse 50, it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So this is when he's dying on the cross. And then verse 51, it says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. And now I I was saying how the tabernacle has a lot of of details around it. It was set up in in a certain way. Um, If we look into the rebuilding of the temple and the temple that, that was there when Jesus died. I wanna tell you some of the the details of this curtain. This curtain wasn't an everyday Walmart curtain. It wasn't a super nice blackout curtain even. This curtain was 60 feet high. This curtain was four inches thick. Josephus, which is a, a historian of the time, wrote that two horses tied to the curtain and pulling opposite directions could not tear it so it's pretty wild that that the curtain would just tear in half at that moment do we think that was something God was doing I think that that is the the physical tearing of of the curtain it symbolized our ability to now approach God Now that holy of holies is not blocked off because Jesus' blood was enough to take away our sin. We get to enter into that holy place. We get to to approach God directly without the help of of priests, without the help of any sacrifice. And so going back to Hebrews 4, um, it says, let us then in verse 16 let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace and our confidence is in the work that Jesus did it's in the sacrifice that he made so that we can live that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of Jesus' sacrifice brought about reconciliation by becoming our substitute and, and fulfilling the atonement once and for all. And so we can behold him because he is the lamb of God. He is our atonement. He brings us back in right relationship with God. I love the passage in in 2 Corinthians 5:20 it's it's the passage by which Kai Alpha gets its name it says therefore we are ambassadors for Christ god making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to god and so that is what i'm i'm doing tonight is i i want to implore you if you have not been re- Reconciled to God, make the decision to trust in Jesus tonight. But if you have, I just invite you to to behold him. Behold him. Fall more in love with Jesus every day as you learn more about him and as you know him more, as he walks with you. So I'm just going to ask that you would close your eyes and, and bow your head. And um, tonight I talked about different ways to behold God, behold the son. And I think for some of us, we need to behold him just by worshiping him and reflecting on his eternal nature and on his holiness and just allowing God to give us a, a brand new shock, a brand new sense of, of awe of who he is. And just ask the Lord tonight, would you show me once again, would you show me how great you are, God? I think for some of us, uh, beholding the sun looks like tonight just giving him thanks thanking him for the incarnation for becoming flesh becoming man and stepping down from glory to relate to us that it's been a while since you have sat at the feet of Jesus and just said thank you and, and thanked him for the things in your life for some of us, beholding Jesus tonight looks like inviting the light to shine into whatever darkness is in our life. Whatever darkness we're going through, whether that be an issue with with sin, issue with relationships, with people, with our mental health. Would you tonight invite Jesus to, to be the light that would shine through any darkness in you? And we're going to have people in the back who, who would love to pray that the light would enter in the darkness in your life. But finally, I'm just going to offer up the opportunity tonight if if the Lord is asking you to put your trust in him tonight, um, I'm just going to invite you to, to slip your hand up and, and make that commitment before God tonight. Tell him that, that Jesus, I accept that sacrifice that you made. And if that is for you, we would love to to just pray with you in the back tonight, but I'm just gonna pray for us all. And then I invite you to worship God, to behold the Son, however the Lord is prompting you. Lord, we just thank you so much. (laughs) We thank you, Jesus that you would come down to earth that you would leave your your heavenly home and and experience such a humility to to be among people who do not love you people who who spat on you to to go through the worst most gruesome death that we would be able to just be in relationship with you and with your Father, and tonight, God, I just ask for for a fresh beholding for every person in this room, a fresh beholding of the Son. Would you um, just help us to, to be in awe of you every day, Lord? To uh, to be amazed by by what you've done. We just invite you, Lord, to speak to us during this response time as we worship you for who you are. Just pray all this in Jesus' name.